The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to the Ghost Story Pass. Welcome to the Ghost Story, guys. I'm Brennan Storr. I'm Paul Bestel. And this is a show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun has set, and this is most definitely one. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 126. And we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about, but can never quite reach. How are you, Paul? I'm very well. I'm enjoying the solstice. Yes, this is a, this is a get ahead. We are recording this much earlier than we ordinarily would. And it is, in fact, the solstice. And that's got to that's be significant. It's a sign. It has to be. A sign that, uh, <laughs> that I need about a week off, I think. That we yeah, both well, need about it, a week off. Yes, I have too much... Uh, crap telly to watch. It's Christmas after all. That's it, right? I've got a giant stack of, of these subscription movies that I've been <laughs> that I've had coming in for the last twelve months, and up till about midsummer, I was keeping up fine. And then they did a double month, and I j- just fucked me completely. And so <laughs> I've got something like close to twenty Blu-rays and and things that are just stacked up on top of my uh, on top of my my shelf, waiting for me to watch. So. Yeah, Christmas, uh, Christmas is, is my big play. Before then, we have a fabulous episode full of Christmas stories. Or pardon me, not Christmas. Jesus, not Christmas stories. <laughs> I tried. There's, yeah, no, no. These are listener stories. We have some great listener stories lined up. And we're also going to be reflecting a little bit in the, in the opening to the, the next segment. Paul and I are going to talk a little bit about the last year. Because really, it, by the time this comes out, it, it won't quite be a year, but it'll be very close to a year since Paul came on board. And it, what a year it has been. So we're, we're going to talk about that. But before we do, I have a little story. And I was alluding to this on air or off air with Paul. I had a little bit of an early Christmas miracle slash possibly early Christmas threat. I, I don't know. Since the pandemic, really since the beginning of last this year, my life obviously has changed quite a bit. I have sort of decided, fuck it, I'm going to dress how I like dressing. And I don't care what anyone thinks anymore. So I bought a bunch of Hawaiian shirts and I bought a bunch of shirts from Brett Manning, the artist who uh, also listens to the show. And if you don't know Brett's work, it's wonderful stuff. You can find her website at brettisagirl.com. That's Brett with two T's. I mean, she doesn't need our help advertising, but just in case you don't know her stuff, (laughs) go check it out. It's very sort of earth-based stuff, uh, like nature spirits, things like this. And of course, as, as you know, Paul, I've had somewhat of a contentious relationship with such things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've got so much time for Brett. She really does make me laugh because she's got a very wonderful and weird sense of humor as well. And her Instagram often makes me laugh when I see her sort of hiding in the woods looking terrifying. Oh, it's, it's great. She, the, the costumes and stuff, I love that. I, I am not that way inclined. 
it doesn't matter <laughs> what costume you put on me. It's just Brent. It's like when people put their dog in outfits, but it's clearly just a fucking dog in a sailor suit. That's me. I'm the dog in a sailor suit. It just, <laughs> you can't hide. I'm just the thing. I'm just it. I'm just Brent. But yeah, her, her stuff is always great. Yeah. Her Instagram is absolutely one of my favorites. And so, like I said, I got a couple of her shirts, which are fabulous. And I bought a couple of masks, a couple of her prints on masks. Hmm. And one of them is a, is a red mushroom print. It's, it's on Redbubble as, as I think mush, mush. And part of it started to, the, the string started to go. And so, because obviously with, with things going the way they are right now, I needed a tighter fitting mask. So when I was downtown, I bought one and I tossed the mush, mush mask, which I didn't really, I, I was not really thinking. I don't normally throw things like this away, but I was just like, fuck it. Hmm. I'll just throw it away. So I tossed it in the trash, went home. And a couple days after that, maybe a few days ago, I was walking home. I think I was coming back from the, the grocery store. And there's a construction zone on my way. And I noticed something tied to the steel construction fence. It's a mask. Oh, someone dropped a mask. Huh, okay, whatever. And I realized, oh, I've walked past that mask a couple times now. And I don't know what possessed me to finally look at it. But Paul, it was my mush mush mask. <laughs> Fucked if I know how it got there, man. I tossed that thing in the trash. And not near to that fence either. Like downtown. So mm. I, I thought that's, this is a sign. This is a warning. So I picked it up. I've taken it home. I've washed it and I will now restore it to its previous glory. Mm. So what, what we can surmise from this is that the Fae are following you. And making sure I stay on the straight and narrow because yes. I have a tendency to fuck up, Paul, and <laughs> they have no patience for that. Well, it's good that they're involved and invested in you. I, I guess I'm not used <laughs> to having people looking out for me. And this is a little bit like having an uncle in the mafia. <laughs> I appreciate it, but I'm also very wary. Mm. So again, if you don't know her, check out Brett Manning's art. She has powerful magic apparently. And, uh, is, you can find her again on Instagram, uh, Brett Manning art, Brett is a girl.com. Uh, very, very cool stuff. If you can get one of her shirts, whenever they go on sale, they're fucking aces. But yeah, that is my. That's my Christmas, my Christmas miracle. Now it's time to thank our patrons. This one's for the patrons. Patrons, you're the magic mushrooms to our blacklight poster, which is to say, <laughs> things wouldn't be the same without you. We can let Paul sit with that one for a minute. <laughs> so it brings back some flashbacks of his own. Luminol. <laughs> Of course, we'd like to thank all our patrons, but right now we're going to thank our latest patrons. They are... Matthew Phillips Roisin Flannery Michelle Hopkins Ashley Rivers Callista Kelly and Neek. Guys, thank you so, so, so much. The show just wouldn't exist without you. And we are deeply grateful for each and every one of you. If you want to find out about all the cool shit you get, you can wait till the end of the show. We'll tell you about it then. But for now, I will say, if you want to join the team, head on over to patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys. And for a dollar a month, you get an ad-free feed. And who doesn't want that? Ads suck. Again, that's patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys. And we'll tell you about everything else at the end of the show. And with that, we're going to take a little break. And our musical guest, as always around this time of year, is our good friends at Hexagram with their take on the holiday classic, Shadrick. We'll be right back. 
welcome back. As we said before the break, this episode is going to be all listener stories, but I, I thought this would be a great opportunity to reflect a little bit on the year that's come, the year that's come before, because things have been different this year. We are now 26 episodes into Ghost Story Guys 2.0, and you haven't quit, so that's a good sign. <laughs> I have you chained to the sofa, so that helps. I just want to see my family again. We talked about this. <laughs> Finish the episode. You can send them a picture of you with a newspaper. Excellent. Proof of life. That's the motivating factor here on Ghost Story, guys. <laughs> so I, I'm curious, when, when you came on board, I mean, was that, was that an intimidating thing? I mean, you're Paul motherfucking Bestel, but did you think, oh God, I'm step, stepping into a nightmare? Or did you just go, fuck it, let's see what happens? Um, a bit of both. No? If I'm honest. Um, it, was, um, it was interesting. I was very uh, sort of self-contained. I didn't go on social media for about six weeks. Wise. Really, other than doing my own thing um, and focusing on that. And thankfully, I think because we were, we were locked down, I couldn't really do much, so I was just kept busy. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, I just kind of got on with it. But um, it was always going to be difficult. And, um, you know, it wasn't a case of coming in and, you know, burning everything that had gone before. It was just a case of drawing a line and moving forward, I think. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that was, that was sort of my take too. I mean, I, th I think early on, I, I kind of had these thoughts and, and we talked about it when we started, you know, like uh, I thought, how much has to change? You know, how much, how much has to be different? How much has to, uh, yeah. And, and I was kind of, well, I was kind of spinning out. I mean, obviously. And, and, and one of the great things about having you, having you in the, uh, you know, in the chair is that you're a lot more steady than I am. And you, you, you have great perspective. So I, uh, again, it's one of the reasons I approached you because I'm like, yeah, I'm a little bit of that artistic temperament where I, I sometimes I'm, I'm a lot better now, but between psilocybin and therapy, I'm a lot more human, but, um, <laughs> bless those mushrooms. That's why the mask found me and knew how much mm. I needed it. Yeah. You are one but, with the mushroom now. Well, some days it feels like that. <laughs> I just bought a, I just bought like two bottles. The guy had a sale. So I have enough for like six months, something like that. So I'm set. I am mushroom. I am mushroom ready. But anyways, that's another story. Like Mario. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, not wrong, actually. Take a mushroom and then I go have an adventure. And the whole time. <laughs> whole time I'm just sitting on the toilet. Yeah. Yeah. I've been there, mate. <laughs> yeah. We've all, we've all been there. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was good because again, I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know how much I had to change. I didn't know. Uh, you know, because I knew there were some things that had gotten stale and, and that's, again, that's not a jab at anyone. That's just an observation on the general state of the show. And there were some things I wanted to, to change up a little bit. And I, yeah, we tried different things, right? We rotated through like having mail here and mail there. But I, I think one of the biggest things I've taken away is that it's okay to change things if you want to, like it doesn't have just in changing something doesn't mean it has to be that way forever. You know, like Sometimes we have listener mail at the opening of the show. Sometimes you tell us something about the topic. Sometimes we talk to somebody mm. and it's, it's okay to have that change. And I, I know that was one thing that was, I, I was really struggling with even before everything was just like, I felt like it had to be a certain way mm. and like learning that's not the case has been really, really nice because it just takes, takes a lot of the stress off. You know, you're not trying to 
live up to any particular standard or anything like that. You're just trying to have fun with it. Yeah. And you shouldn't, you should never try and fit something into a box if it's not going to fit. Cause the only thing that's going to happen there is you're going to break the box. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I mean, you know, when you, when you sort of uh, poo pooed my nude Kabuki theater idea, I realized, <laughs> okay, we've got, uh, we've gone as far with the changes as we need to. Yeah. I've, I've, I've gone through that phase. I didn't want to go back there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, like I said earlier, sometimes I, during the edit, I realize I'm reacting to things you've done on screen and that's always a showstopper. <laughs> <laughs> and now. Yeah. Have you ever seen uh, Sergeant Kabukiman NYPD? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. If you get a chance during your Christmas, your, your, among your many crap Christmas movies, Sergeant Kabukiman NYPD. Nothing I say here will make it make sense. So I'm just going to say, check it out and we'll go from there. Okay. I shall try and fit that in because I've, I've got a, a, a backlog of, of classic MR James adaptations to get through as well. Cause the BBC's just recently reshown them over the last few weeks as well. So nice backed all those up and we've got a new one on Christmas Eve as well being shown. Fantastic. So for you, when did it start to feel like, okay, this is a normal thing I'm doing? Like, which episode would you say was uh, a place where it started to be more, more comfortable and more like, oh yeah, this is just a normal thing and this is not uh, a new thing? Uh, I would say it took me at least half a dozen until I felt comfortable in my own skin. Okay. So about 10, it'd be like 106, Six, 107. Seven. Yeah. For, I think having Kevon was great for that with uh, 107, the, the Haunting of Yorkshire. That felt mm. like, yeah, that felt like, okay, this is a little more tenable. Like this, this feels like, okay, I, I, like I understand how this is supposed to be, mm. I guess is what I mean. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's always diff- difficult because obviously, um, I mean, most of, I mean, it, it's interesting because obviously we had a relationship before I came on board anyway. So we were, kind of, it, it, it's always difficult to try and think, well, which part of me or which version of me do I need to be? And I right. think it took me about six or seven weeks or episodes to think, I just need to be me. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're pretty great. So that's, that's really always necessary. <laughs> but yeah. So, um, once, once you get through that phase, cause it's always difficult regardless, you know, at the end of the day, my show is a very different style and I'm sure some of my guests think what the hell, um, <laughs> um, but, um, they, 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 seem to want to come back as well so clearly my uh, my yorkshire charm works on them as well well i mean <laughs> <laughs> mysteries and monsters is, is a great show and i'm not just saying that to kiss your ass like it's legitimately a great show i i would put it up there i i think it's better than almost anything in the paranormal sphere like i i put it up there with ryan's show and that's you know like that's <laughs> not as you know how much i respect ryan and and that's yeah. you know that's not faint praise like I, I i really do i think it it's far and away the best thing out there and um so I'm not surprised people want to come back. And to be honest, that was one of the things that I was concerned about is that Ghost Story Guys has more listenership than Mysteries and Monsters. But at the same time, I feel like Mysteries and Monsters has more of a reputation. And one of the things I was concerned about was, well, A, dragging that reputation through all the bullshit that I knew was going to happen. And B, I didn't want people to be like, oh, this is also the guy who hosts the uh, dick joke ghost show. You know, I didn't want that. <laughs> I didn't want that to be a, a sort of a net, a net negative for you. So that was something that was always very much on my mind. Mm. But it's, it's nice for me because I've always had a deep love of the paranormal and I don't get the chance 
to cover it as much as I'd like to do on Mysteries and Monsters, primarily because I'm really arsy about who I speak to in the paranormal. Well, it's and hard because there's so many charlatans. Um, you may say that. I say that. Yeah, I, so, <laughs> this is not Paul. I'm going to say it. There's a lot of bullshit artists out there in the paranormal. There's a lot of brilliant people too. Mm. And certainly I, I, there are the, we, we have people out there I have a great deal of respect for, but there are a lot of schmucks out there who just repeat stuff they hear on television or just lie. And that is deeply frustrating. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it, it was my, it's my first love of the weird is the paranormal, you know? It was my first experience to the world of the weird. It's something I've grown up with. It's something I've seen. It's something I've experienced. So it was always something I had a deep fascination with. And so the fact that we have a, such a a core listenership who are open and honest enough and feel involved enough and respected enough to share their own personal experiences, I think is is something that I'm deeply humbled to be involved in. And uh, I look forward to finding new experiences every time we do a show. I'm always interested and excited to see what you've got lined up in regards to the scripts and what people have sent <laughs> us. So, um, and plus, you know, I've I've met you know I've met some lovely people from doing this show who have kind of followed me across, and um, everybody seems very nice. <laughs> we have such great listeners, you know, and, and one of the things I've, I think has been a limiting factor for me is I've been afraid of, of working to make the show bigger because I think I've been worried that, you know, I've seen what happens to shows that have massive audiences. You know, I, I remember I always tell a story about going to that last podcast on the left live show mm. and it was such an ugly vibe. Yes. Yeah. Such an ugly vibe. And I, I never want to be associated with something like that, you know? And one of the really wonderful things that's happened this year is obviously, you know, our listenership took a dip when everything happened. And that's fine. I expected that. It, it didn't actually dip as much as I thought it would, uh, or as much as I was told it would also. But, uh, we, and that was really gratifying. And the wonderful thing has been that as the show has grown, it's still been positive growth, mm. you know? So like we're, we, yeah, the show is, as I say, back to where it was and the new people who've come on are wonderful. And we have great listeners who've been with us since the beginning. I actually just met one of our listeners in person, uh, which I didn't think was going to happen for play till the middle of next year. But Elliot, uh, from the UK, he happened to be in Seattle visiting a friend. And so he came up and Elliot was, I think one of the first people to buy a shirt from us back in the day. And mm. we got to have beers and go for a walk and it was fucking fantastic. And it was just such a great, like in, in person reminder that, yeah, you, you can kind of have both things. You can, you can grow and become more popular while retaining that part of you that attracts positive people. Mm. Whenever we get a nice review or a nice letter, I try to send it over to you. And so you've seen, you know, we, people are so kind. That was one of the things I was really worried about fucking up when everything went down. You know, I, I didn't want, you know, I know what it means to invest in something. And we're just a podcast at the end of the fucking day, right? Like, I don't think we're saving lives here, but I know that when you give a shit about something, the way some of our listeners give a shit about us, it can be really a bummer when kind of real life hits. Mm. And so I was really worried about that. You know, like we, we had this incredible email once from a woman and I don't know if she's still listening, but she would sneak her phone into her shelter bed at night when she was homeless. So she could listen under the covers and not feel alone. Yeah. And when everything went down like that, that email was the one that stayed in my head. Mm. 
because I felt like I had this incredible obligation to this person and to all those people to not fuck it up. Mm. And like that, that weighed on me, man, that fucking, that, I mean, it still weighs on me, not like it did, but it's, it's still very much there. But when everything was going down and I was trying to, you know, keep everything going like that, that weighed on me so heavily. Mm. And I, I think, I mean, you probably saw it at the beginning, like me just trying to scramble and, and maybe do too much or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's a natural response. It happens, yeah. you know, in any, any walk of life. So, I mean, I'm always astounded to, to see just how many talented listeners we have as well. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Man, there's some, there's some people who make me sick. They're so talented, <laughs> you know, they can dance and they can juggle fire and create beautiful things. And, you know, we were talking about Brett. Uh, I mean, Brett is just amazing. And anything oh, yeah. she puts her mind to, it, it just looks fabulous. And she's got a wonderfully wicked sense of humor. She's pulled off something, which I think people don't give enough credit for, which is being an artist and an entrepreneur. Yes. That shit is hard. On her terms as well. Exactly. You know? So, and we've made, you know, we've made some great friends. I mean, that's the thing about this show. I was laughing earlier. I was looking at me. I've got loads of new likes this week for some reason on one of my pages. And um, I just find it incredible when I look. I always look where people are from. Oh, yeah. And it just, it just blows my, it still does. You know, it, it's going to be three <laughs> years in March since I started doing this shit. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm amazed when I get, I mean, somebody sent me a picture of them at 10 years old the other week. Oh. Um, went, stood next to the Paul Bunyan statue in Michigan, I think. Okay. And people send me things like that. And I just, that is just a real honor that, yeah. that someone sends me stuff. You know, I've had pictures of people sending me, making me jealous mostly, you know, <laughs> yowie hunting in the Blue Mountains of Australia or or the deep woods of British Columbia and Washington state. Just, I think just to make me feel sick, I think and insanely <laughs> jealous, but stuff like that's amazing. And then I look at, you know, I get, you know, people listening to the show in Australia and all over the U S and Canada and, and even here <laughs> in Sheffield. And I still, I still can't get my head around it at all. I, yeah. I, I'm, I, I find it deeply deeply humbling that anybody wants wants to because i'm not you know i'm not i've never been one for blowing smoke out my own backside brown i'll let other people it's a great say, trick when you do do it though well it is yeah yeah it's one, one of my many tricks i should show you the uh, the levitating sure, towel trick sometime and um i remember once not getting a job because somebody said i didn't talk talk about myself enough and oh, i've always Christ. been a, i've always been a doer rather than a talker and that's one thing i've learned has has really helped me deal with my mental health and and be positive with the challenges that I've faced up until the point I decided to to say fuck it I'm going to do what I want to do on my terms and yeah. I've never looked back. And I I'm certain you know I, I've said this before and again I'm not just performing your famous smoke trick. Um, <laughs> I I think it's just the beginning for you. I like I think if you want to take this places. Once the world is in, is in you know place that that's possible, I I just don't think that's going to be an issue. Again, I mm -hmm. like you've got the work ethic, you've got the commitment, you've got the ability. You know, all it's yeah, it's it's not a problem. It's just a matter of whenever you're ready to do that. I just think it's gonna it's just gonna happen. 
I'm, I'm very pleased that I'm in a position that I've been able to turn down TV and media this month. <laughs> Fantastic. I didn't know about the TV. That's pretty great. Yeah, there's two organizations that I have no time for, and I think they just expected me to roll over and go, yeah. Oh, of course. And I went, sorry, I'm not interested. Offer, okay, tell me I'll let it out. <laughs> Paul just alluded to uh, which network this was, or which organization this was, and uh, yeah, this it was the right choice, and I respect him all the more for it. Remember when I went for coffee with Micah Hanks way back in the day? You know, he told me that, um, he had never, he he's never done television and he has no plans to, because he said you have no control over your, your image whatsoever. They can make you say whatever the fuck they want. And, and it reminded me of that interview that Jason, I think it's Jason Bethel, the guy who first cited what he thought was a black eyed kid. Mm. He talked about doing a TV spot and he said they, they told him to say something about in the badlands of wherever. And he goes, no one has ever referred to this area. It was Abilene, Abilene, Texas. No one, no one has ever called anything around here Badlands. Like the, the closest anyone's come is maybe someone here has watched that Terrence Malick movie a couple times, but <laughs> there's nothing around here that's bad or, you know, there's land. None of it is bad. <laughs> <laughs> and they told him like, oh, it sounds better on television. And, and I it just, it, it, there it is right there. Right? And uh, yeah. So it's, again, hats off to you and, and fuck those guys. And to Micah. I have a lot of respect for Micah being able to make it the way he has. It's, mm. I think, again, that's pretty impressive too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are plenty of people. And I think that's the other thing we've got these days is that there are lots of people in a variety of fields that are all a bit weird and a bit odd, but they're making it on their terms these days and they yeah. should be applauded and celebrated and, and lifted up. Yeah, actually, that's another thing I've loved uh, about you know 2.0 and, and this last year and something I want to do again next year. I know we kind of talked about this as to whether or not we should do it, but I, I just like it. And that's having other people on the show, mm. you know, having Kevon, Sam Sheeran, Amanda Woomer, uh, Lapaka Kapanui. Yeah. Like that, th those were so much fun. Mm. There's something nice about having like the, 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 the new energy and the connection. And like I told you, man, I spent six, seven years working alone in a room and it's just nice being able to reach out and, and, and get to know other people doing what we're doing, you know, cause there are some schmucks out there, but there are some really fucking cool people mm. out there in the world, you know, like, um, well, I mean, Amon, Amon Mazingo from Afro Tales. We're going to yeah. have him on at some point. Amon's such a cool guy. He's, he's very funny. Yeah. And yeah, I, I really like his show. And, and like, he does this thing. He started doing it, I think in season three of the show where he sort of changed it to more of a nautical theme. So he'll tell the story on deck and then you, you go down and see chef and it's him doing this, this fantastic accent. And then chef will tell you like a recipe that's sort of, um, related to that story mm. and it's always a hoot. And I mm. just, I don't, I just love the creativity of it. I told him if, if he could make that into like a, a public access show in a heartbeat, yeah, it would take a cheap set and a costume and he would be off to the races. It, yeah, I, anyways, I just, I love that shit. All right. So one last question, <laughs> then we'll, we'll get to the stories. Do you have a favorite episode? that we've done so far. I mean, obviously I'd be biased and say the haunting of Yorkshire being a Yorkshire. <laughs> uh, but I really like one, one, nine as well. One, one, nine. Is that the owl in the glass? Mm -hmm. Interesting. I enjoyed what that. The, what was it about the owl in the glass? 
there was just something about the stories that really resonated with me on that episode. Interesting. Interesting. I really enjoyed it. I just was talking to someone and they were telling me that that was also their favorite episode. And what's funny is that one, the downloads for that one are not, they're not great. They're okay, but they're not great. Yeah. I've always had strange tastes. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Well, you're here. So <laughs> I think for me, what's, what's my favorite? Mysteries of Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And that's partially just because I felt like that was the episode where we firmly established the show's identity. Mm. For me, that was where everything kind of came together. And I thought, all right, I get it now. Because, well, obviously the, the interview almost didn't happen in the first place. Yeah. You know, we had to, we had to bump it uh, an episode and then there were, there were some, uh, some connectivity issues. And so it was rocky at first and we weren't sure if it was going to come off, but it, it turned into, I think a, a brilliant episode. And, yeah. uh, I, like I consider it a, with largely the truth, I consider it a win if the conversation ends in such a way that me and the person I'm interviewing say, you know what, if we're ever in the same space, let's get together for a beer. Mm. That's, that's a win for me. And I feel like 118 ended that way mm. as unlikely as it seemed at the top of the show, that's how it, I felt like it ended to me. And, and so that was. That was super cool, you know, and, and, and it, that's not a, it's not casting aspersions on our previous guests, but that's more about me. Like you said, feeling comfortable in your skin. Yeah. And I think that was the place where I finally realized like, okay, I can, I can relax a little bit mm. because this is going to work. So I think that's probably mine again, just in terms of that's when I felt like I was able to, uh, yeah, able to take, the, take my foot off the gas a little bit and go, oh, all right. It's going to be okay. It only took me, what, 14 episodes after you? <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm usually just in a blur, aren't I? So I'm, you know, I just move on. Um, uh, I had a guest on re- recently who didn't understand how I actually have a normal full-time job. Uh, there are times where I myself wonder that as well. I usually feel like that on a Sunday. <laughs> And then I just think, what the hell, you know, you're a long time gone. True enough, man. True enough. In fact, I I can't imagine a better way to end that. So we're just going to say thank you to everyone who has joined us this past year. Uh, It's an honor and a privilege for both of us. Mm -hmm. And we're glad to have you. And uh, we're here to a a better 2022, but I mean, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We've got to wait for the alien invasion first, mate. No, don't do that to me, Paul. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you some positive news. The Spanish flu only had four waves. Oh. How's that? Well, Bigfoot's an alien. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he isn't. <laughs> Let's stop that shit right now. <laughs> and on that note, on with the stories. <laughs> Our first story is from Daniela. I have started listening to your podcast earlier this year. I love everything horror, spooky, and always like to be told a good story or 20, so your podcast is right up my alley. It's also a nice diversion when all the true crime stuff I usually listen to turns me into a paranoid mess. I know just what you mean. 
The empathy and warmth you guys show when telling your own and other people's stories warms my cold German heart. Any hoodle. There were a few episodes where you guys mentioned the sense of smell and how it can often be sort of neglected when talking about paranormal experiences. I've been holding off sending this story in, as it's not super exciting and a bit of a bummer maybe, but it's something that has stayed with me for decades now. My father died of suicide when I was 11. He died in the flat that we lived in. My mother worked nights, and let's just say that living there after all that happened, being alone six evenings and nights of the week, was traumatising. My parents had had a bad relationship, and my mother never really spoke to me about his death to this day. It just got shoved aside, and even if he didn't turn into an actual ghost, his presence in both my head and the flat seemed to haunt me. A few typical ghost-type things happened in the flat over the years. Opening and closing of doors, weird sounds, things I could easily ignore or explain away even as a kid for my own peace of mind. However, a regular occurrence was his smell almost permeating the flat. My father always used the same aftershave for as long as I knew him and wore leather jackets. A few times every year after his death, I'd find myself walking through the hallway, eating in the kitchen or watching the telly, and suddenly I could just smell him. Like he was walking past me. The smell of the aftershave and leather would linger for a few moments and then completely disappear. It felt conflicting, comforting, but also scary as hell and made me very sad. After years of this, I caved and asked my mother flat out if she still had some of his aftershave somewhere and maybe wore it or sprayed it sometimes. I knew she didn't, as she had erased all sign of him from the flat after his death, but I still needed to ask. She looked at me funny, and I thought she was going to get angry for me even suggesting she did something so sentimental. But instead she just asked me in a kind of flat voice, So you smell it too? The last time it happened was a few weeks later. I was 16 by then, alone at home again, and walked towards the kitchen in the middle of the night to get water. Suddenly felt like I had walked into a cloud of his smell, and immediately started crying hard. That was a first. I said something along the lines of, no more, please stop, my native language, and the smell disappeared. We moved out a year later, and I live in the UK now. All this happened in Germany. I have never felt his presence in that way again. The thought that I possibly told my father to go away when I do love and miss him so much is horrible. At the same time though, I was scared and sad and I didn't want this very heavy reminder of my loss to keep popping up. To almost smell his hugs but not feel them. Wherever he is now, if spirits are indeed real and he is somehow still able to see me, I hope he knows that I have not forgotten him and didn't know those reminders of his presence. As the great Mark Skinner once said, you left me behind to remind me of you. Thank you for sharing that, Danielle. That, that's, that's a really, really beautiful story. And, and I, I understand. I mean, that's a, a horrible thing to deal with. Like, the scent is so powerful. Mm. You know, it can just br- bring you right back to a, a particular time and place and can be really, really painful. It's surprisingly powerful, as Danielle mentions at the beginning there. Just 
how something so simple can just take you away somewhere. And obviously, dealing with that kind of traumatic experience and incident that occurred to her when she was so young, it's always going to be difficult. But I think all of us, I must admit, it is one of the strangest sensations when you suddenly get an aroma or a scent or something that takes you to somewhere you've probably not thought of for a year, five years, 10 years even, maybe even longer. And I find it incredible that there seems to be such a a muscle memory, emotive attachment to smell that I think often until it happens, you don't realize it. Oh yeah, absolutely. I remember I, I stepped outside my apartment, I think it was earlier this year maybe, in the summer, and just outside the back door, and it was it maybe, I don't know, extended like five feet in every direction. It smelled like my grandparents' back porch when you would sit on the swing in the summertime when I was a little kid back before they enclosed it. It's such a mm. very specific smell. And it was, it was almost shocking because I, I hadn't thought of, like I hadn't smelled that since then, of course, right? It was mm. such a specific time and place this thing fixed in my head. And then just as quickly, it was, it was gone. But mm-hmm. yeah, to have that kind of come back after so long was, was just bizarre. Uh, again, I, I don't necessarily know that there was anything paranormal about it, but it was just such a strong and immediate connection. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is strange how these memories are locked and they're only sort of accessed through aroma unlocking them. And I find that quite an interesting way that the brain works on that level as much as sight, perhaps. Even more yeah. so. Well, I, I remember reading about the idea of, of liminal and subliminal consciousness mm. and how we remember much more than we think we do. You know, when mm. people say, oh, I have such a bad memory, generally speaking, that's not the case. It's just that the liminal consciousness, like the, the waking mind can only hold so much at a given time. It's almost like mm. RAM in a computer. Yeah. That you just, you can't have full and complete access to everything that's in there. It almost takes a certain kind of stimulus to, to draw it out from the subliminal. Again, like, yeah. like pulling up a file or something, you know? And it, it really makes me wonder how much is stored in there? How much do we remember? Really? Mm. And I, I, again, I, I'm willing to bet it's a lot more than you might think. I've often considered that kind of aspect as to why, why do we remember certain things from childhood, especially if they're not traumatic or, or something like that. I mean, I remember my third birthday for some unknown reason. Because I woke everybody up and uh, made them watch me go round and round the settee on a scooter. <laughs> he was a star from an early age. <laughs> you know, I had more exciting presents. But I couldn't tell you what I got for my fourth birthday or my fifth. But I know what I got for my third. That's crazy. And, and funny enough, I was just talking to a friend of mine. And he told me he remembers falling down the stairs. Because <laughs> he, rem- he remembers like... Is it from her correctly? Remembers it hurts, and then he's like, sees the ground, he sees the sky, sees the ground, sees the sky. He was two when that happened. Crazy. And he's thirty six now. So you know, like that that has hung on that long is is incredible. I mean, sure, falling down the stairs, you know, that's a bummer. But at the same time, it's also a long time ago. But it's 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 stayed. Mm. And you know, no doubt, other you know, unfortunate things have happened in that time. But that's that's the one that hung around. Yeah. Weird how the brain decides to keep that one front and center. Yeah. Thanks, brain. That's awesome. <laughs> and uh, Danielle, I, I, I'm certain that uh, 
you know, if your dad is hanging around, if that's, if that's something they do, cause we, you know, we always like to say, we don't really know. No one really does, but I, I, I think he gets it. You know, he knows you haven't forgotten him. I don't think that's even a question. It's, it's sometimes it's just hard to let go, you know, and I, I think that can be just as true for them as it is for us. And what I would say is just because you can't smell him doesn't mean he's not there. Yep, absolutely. And hey, shout out to Mike Skinner. We miss the streets, Mike. We miss the streets. This story comes from Liz. Brennan and Paul, you completely stopped me in my tracks with that first story. I haven't even listened to the rest of the show yet, but wanted to share this with you. I have never had sleep paralysis, never had any kind of paranormal or weird experience, but like the first story, I have had the feeling of something or someone behind me in bed trying to squeeze the life out of me. Just over a year ago, I was in bed asleep, alone, and kind of half woke up as I felt someone get in bed beside me, spoon me, and put their arms around me, holding me tighter and tighter, squeezing the life out of me. I managed to break free, shouting, Get the fuck off me! Quite proud of my take-no-shit attitude. Yeah, I'm proud of you too, Liz. And woke up to find my youngest son sleeping next to me, something he's not done for a few years now. I lay back down to go to sleep, only to then actually wake up, and I was alone in bed. Like I said, I've never had sleep paralysis, and from what I've read, this seems different to sleep paralysis, and I've never had a dream within a dream before, or whatever that was. So I brushed it off, assuming I must have eaten some particularly potent cheese that night. Okay, this is a Christmas episode. But it's definitely stayed with me, and that's the first time I've heard anyone experience something similar. Anyway, I just wanted to share with you and say thanks for your continuing excellence and hope both of you and your families and the rest of the Ghost Story Guys mob have a very Merry Christmas. Thank you, Liz. We, we hope you did too, or we are doing. I mean, it's, it's early. It's not quite Christmas yet. As we record this, it will be by the time it comes out. Uh, and Paul, you did a deep dive into this, did you not? Yeah, because obviously most people are aware of this phenomenon known as double dreaming. Um. And I found it quite odd because I was thinking, I'm sure this is called, there is a, a, a proper term for this situation. Right. And they're known as false awakenings. Really? Mm. So more often than not, people will tend to dream. And then in their dream, they wake up and start to do normal things like get up, get dressed, get showered, whatever. And then all of a sudden things start to feel a bit odd. And then they wake up again. And they realized right. that they'd actually woken up in their dream, not in reality. So it, it's very interesting that when I was looking at this, for, for many people, I suspect that the best example in media that they're aware of is obviously American Wolf in London. Oh, of course. Where they have the, the double dream of, of David's, is it David? David's family? I'm All I remember is he wakes up next to Jenny Agutter because I thought it was very lucky of him. <laughs> When he has the dream that the, the Nazi werewolves turn up at his family home and kill his family. Right. And then he wakes up in hospital and he's like, oh my God. And then he sees Jenny Agatha and then she pulls the curtains back and the werewolf Nazis are there again and kill Jenny Agatha. And then he wakes up. Um, so it's very odd. However, this is something that's been in literature for about near enough 200 years. And there is a very famous... Ukrainian Russian author called Nikolai Gogol, um, who is one of those authors that kind of sets you apart how well you know your 19th century Gothic horror, shall we say? <laughs> right. I, I've heard of Gogol. I've never read any of his stuff. Yeah. It's, it can be tough going. However, it can be rewarding as well, a bit like a marathon. And um, 
So uh, he actually had it in a in a famous story he wrote called The Portrait, um, which is about a guy who basically sells his soul for fame and fortune. And essentially, the, the portrait proves to be accursed. And uh, he sadly passes away, but that's only half the story. And then the second part of the, the story tells you about how this portrait came about. And it has a very interesting twist at the end. Okay. Um, which is quite interesting, which might be worth diving into if you can find it. Um, I think it's part of a short story collection. I forgot what, the, what it's called, but the portrait is very similar because there seems to be that kind of thing because it has some parallels with the picture of Dorian Gray, um, but it's not oh, quite the same. It's like a different slant on a, on, a, on a haunted picture. Right. But yeah, so he used that, and that's probably one of the most famous uses of it in literature. So it's something that's been with us for for the best part of two centuries. I know over on Largely the Truth, I, I was speaking to the author, Brianna Morgan, and one of the things we talked about just towards the end of the show was her experience with sleep paralysis. Mm. And she said part of her method for tackling that was to uh, really heavily go into lucid dreaming training. And she said one of the things that they teach you as part of that is reality anchors. Because she said, obviously with lucid dreaming, you take control of the dream to such a degree that it can be whatever you want it to be. And so it seems very real. And so apparently they, she's, she has learned a handful of techniques to sort of ascertain throughout the day that you are not in fact asleep, hmm. that you are not dreaming. And, you know, there's things like, um, like looking in mirrors, because apparently if you look in a mirror in a dream, it is not, you, you will not see your face the way you should. And there was, uh, there was another one. I want to say reading was another mm. way because supposedly in dreams, you're, you're not able to read. Although I have spoken to people who have read in dreams. I know I've read in dreams. So I don't know how, 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 int- how good that one was, but it, it's kind of fascinating that there's, there's enough of a world there that you kind of have to train yourself to navigate out of it. Mm. And I know I was browsing Reddit a little while ago, which has become one of my go-to things to do because there's some fabulous shit on there. I mean, this you know, granddad's coming to this late kids. I know this is old news to you, but, uh, <laughs> but there was a story one guy told about getting stuck in, in sort of like a, uh, you know, Dormammu I've come to bargain kind of loop <laughs> that was just him getting out of bed and walking into the hallway mm. and then he'd wake up and he'd get out of the bed and walk into the hallway and he'd wake up. And apparently this happened dozens of times that he'd get a little bit further each time. But he said it's it's really really messed with his sense of self and reality because now he's perpetually there's this little little thing at the corner of his 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 awareness that's questioning is am I going to wake up again? Mm. And that sounds goddamn awful. Yeah, to, I mean, is, have you ever had a dream that's continued the following day, like a, like it's a sequel? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Honestly, I had one happen to me when I was about 12, and I can still remember it vividly to this day. It's never happened to me since, even, even in my newly discovered return to the world of dreams. Um, and I've often really wondered how the hell my brain did that. So did it pick up right after when you... Yeah, yeah. And it was a oh, pretty interesting. crazy dream. It's about me and my school friends being hunted by a killer robot that was chasing us all down and murdering us all horrifically. Jesus. <laughs> but it was set That's, where yeah. we lived as well. 
Oh, so man. I could see all the area and the locale and the woods and the stuff and the stream that we used to play near and things like that. It was crazy shit, man. And it just <laughs> dropped you right back into it. Yeah, and I woke up when it killed me. I was the last person it killed. Oof. On the second night. I've definitely died in dreams. I've died in dreams a number of times. I've drowned. I've frozen to death. I've been shot. I think I've been, I've been hit by a car. It's, yeah, it's, it's a horrific feeling. And I always, I always, uh, wake up with a renewed gratitude for, <laughs> for just drawing fucking breath. Yeah. Like I, I remember <laughs> one dream and I don't know, this is, this is a, this is a crazy show folks. It's the end of the year. So just strap in. But, um, I was at a wedding or some kind of garden party. Oh, I remember being like outside, there's grass and there's a, this lovely gazebo. And all of a sudden it gets windy and we're all kind of like, oh shit, it's cold. But then it starts snowing and it's the middle of summer. And we know that something is very, very wrong. This is not supposed to happen. And the snow gets uh, colder and colder. The wind gets colder and colder. And basically we all freeze to death. And I remember trying to move as the cold just stiffened me completely and just feeling the last bits of my consciousness wink out. And I woke up and I, it was like a horror movie, man. I woke up going that, <gasps> you know, it was, uh, it was something else. Ooh. I remember one when I felt I'd, I was in an airplane and the back fell off. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Straight out. Do you remember much of the fall? Uh, yeah. I just remember looking up and seeing the, pl- and the plane carried on flying. I don't know what was going on there. Um, and I was like falling. I could see the plane getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And then I just went, and then I woke up. Jesus. I I remember there was one, I was in this old city. It was like an old looking city, but it was, it was modern day, but it was almost like we, they'd repurposed the old roads and the old, like there was a, uh, an aqueduct that was Mm -hmm. now like a highway Mm -hmm. and this massive wall of water came down the road, like came up the road and knocked the aqueduct over. And there was a tanker truck, like a fuel truck on the aqueduct. And it knocked it over on its side and it started sweeping it towards me. And the last thing I remember is me trying to run out of the way as this tanker truck on its side was swept into me. And yeah, I woke up and I thought, well, that was, that was unpleasant. Remind me to stay away from places that have aqueducts. Are there any places that still have aqueducts? <laughs> from Juliet. I have been very sensitive since I was little, and have had more encounters than I can count. But out of the ones from my childhood, my favourite is the ghost of my grandma's house. She always knew her house was haunted. Every child she babysat had conversations, and had just about the same time of encounters with this very kind spirit. The spirit would take things and hide them, to then have them reappear next to you or behind you minutes later. I'll never forget all the times my grandparents would be standing still across from me reading a book, when suddenly the Kleenex box behind them would disappear, then wind up behind me or on the shelf across the room. When I was maybe ten or eleven, my great-grandma passed away. She had always said she had a guest named Timmy who lived in her house, and she openly spoke to him when guests were over. She always said she wanted Timmy to have people who knew he was there around him, and that when she passed, she wanted him to find a new house with people that would like him. He chose my grandma's house. Things started to go missing, and we started to feel cold spots or hear breathing. My mum got me a cassette player for my birthday, so I decided to use it 
to try and communicate with what I assumed to be Timmy. I went to the basement and asked maybe ten questions like, Is anybody here? What's your name? All the usual basic questions. And then I ran upstairs laughing, figuring it didn't work, as I had never gotten EVPs to work before. My mum, grandma and I sat at the kitchen table to play it back as soon as I got upstairs. There was a scratchy old man voice answering every fucking question. Yes, I'm here. Timmy. I fucking ran as fast as I could from the kitchen, screaming and crying. My mum tried to tell me she was the one that had recorded the voice. But I'd put a brand new cassette in, went downstairs, came up and played it. She never touched it. Plus, it's a cassette. What could she have possibly have done to it? A year later, my family moved into a new house. We constantly heard footsteps at first, and even my sceptical non-believer dad would run around the house with a baseball bat thinking someone had broken in. My little brother had what we thought to be an imaginary friend, until I finally saw the little boy he was playing with. He was around two or three years old, and had the sweetest face. I would see him running around all the time, and just accepted him as a member of the family until the slip in time happened. I heard screaming one night and ran upstairs from my room. I didn't understand why no one else came to see what was going on. There was a teenage girl screaming and crying, and the little boy I always saw was blue in the face and suddenly was no longer moving. Years later, when I did research on the house after we had moved out, I read a news article about a three-year-old boy who choked whilst being watched by his babysitter. Skip to when I'm 16 and I'm laying in bed next to my then-boyfriend, who was also very sensitive. We openly talked about ghosts all the time, and both were frequented by visits from shadow people all our lives. On this particular day, we were just laying there, arguing about what movie to watch knowing we would never decide. When suddenly, the room became almost red, with orangishy lights dancing on the walls that emulated fire. The bed became encircled with shadow people. There were more in the doorway. At the time it felt like they didn't see us, and that this was something we were not supposed to see. We sat watching for several minutes, not knowing what to do, when suddenly the room went back to normal, and I looked at him terrified, and he asked me what had happened. He said that I had suddenly froze sitting in the bed, but my head kept looking around, and he saw a shadow figure in the closet. He thought I was reacting to that until I told him what I had seen. I'm not sure what happened, but I have always thought maybe I saw into the shadow dimension. I have not had another encounter or felt energy or anything since then until recently. I thought I had lost all my sensitivities after that experience, but I now think I was so afraid that I shut my mind out. My husband and I just moved into our first home two years ago. After a few months, I started hearing things like footsteps and breathing, or movement from the monitor or upstairs when I'm down. I always got a warm but strong presence from our daughter's room. Then, after maybe a year of living there, I started seeing an old man on the baby monitor, and sometimes in a closet, but never felt anything but positivity and protectiveness from him. So one day, when I was up in my daughter's room, I told him he was welcome to stay as long as he didn't scare my daughter, and stopped messing about with our monitor as it kept going static. From then on, he was much less known until a couple of months ago. 
There was always that protective warm energy around the house. Then suddenly it was gone. I assumed he had just moved on, but now I think something else moved in and replaced him. It started when I got home from work one day. No one else was home yet. All the doors were wide open. Front, back, garage to inside and the big garage. I panicked, thinking someone had broken into the house. I left my kids in the car and started searching. Once the basement was cleared and the main floor, I was about to head upstairs when I heard the distinct sound of creaking on our bedroom floor. It only creaks when walked on. I immediately ran out of the door and jumped in the car and did not come back home until somebody could go into the house with me. Nothing was taken, so we don't think any living person was in the house. Plus, on our alarm system, it said all the doors opened just five minutes before I'd gotten home and it said they all opened at once. But no movement was recorded in the house until I walked in. Next, I started getting really bad feelings sometimes, mainly at night. It started with feeling like I shouldn't go outside some nights, and I would feel so overwhelmingly panicked, I would run around the house making sure all doors and windows were locked several times. Then, after a few months of that, the feeling moved to my bedroom. I would be laying there in bed, suddenly to become overcome with a feeling like, I shouldn't be in this room, and someone is standing next to me watching me. I would hear footsteps over the creaky spot, and then I would feel a presence next to me, and sometimes the bed would compress as if someone had sat down. I would leave the room to go to the basement with my husband because I was so afraid of being alone. When I would get to the door to leave the room, every time it was locked from the inside. That isn't something that can be done accidentally. Since this started, my daughter sometimes will say that she's afraid to go to another room alone, which is very unlike her, and she is a very independent toddler. Sometimes she won't even go into the kitchen to get a snack by herself. She will cry saying she's so afraid to be there. But now, over the last couple of weeks, she's started talking to someone that isn't there. And it could be an imaginary friend, but it didn't start until these bad feelings and this new presence arrived. But it could be coincidence. Just last night, we were playing in her room and I heard the creak of footsteps at the top of the stairs and she suddenly said that someone was knocking on her bedroom door. She went over, opened the door, and said, Oh, Mono, it's so good to see you. How are you? And proceeded to hug the air. When she opened the door, I felt this dark, uneasy presence immediately. I don't think it's an imaginary friend, and I'm afraid of what she is talking to. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot. I mean, I never had an imaginary friend growing no, up, either. but I know some people whose children have had them, and I know some people who've had children who are so invested in it that they set places for them at dinner and stuff. Oh, yeah. I think if you're reacting like that, I mean, because it's, it's just really random as well. It's not yeah. like they're playing on their own. They're actually interacting with their child, and then the child goes, oh, they're here. I'll just let them in. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I'm just going to bed, love. Night. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I would want to go, wouldn't want to go to sleep at that point. <laughs> yeah, and be going night and getting a taxi to the hotel. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, this is time for you to learn self reliance. <laughs> when I was your age, we were taken to the woods. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was given a stone and told to survive the week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, creepy. 
Yeah, that's nuts. I mean, I, I've definitely experienced that feeling like, ah, I, I shouldn't go out tonight um, in my neighborhood, mm-hmm. especially since the pandemic. You know, there's, there's a park at the end of my road that is just really dark and there's this really unpleasant energy. And I've always just, some days, even just the, the lawn in front of my house is way darker than it should be. Mm. It's, it's not a comforting feeling. I mean, I, I don't think you need to worry too much about what your daughter's talking to. I would keep an eye on it, but I, I don't know that I necessarily think, you know, I, I don't believe in demons or things like this, so I don't think it's, you know, one of Satan's buddies she's talking to. But um, I, I don't know. I feel like it's one of those things where to be aware of, of what, what, she, what you hear her saying. You know, if she starts saying things like, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what would be inappropriate, but I feel like it's, it's just important. Things like, you know, you can stay or I'll come with you or any of that kind of shit. I feel like that's something that you want to keep an eye on. Plus, there could also be the possibility that Mono's turned up to protect your daughter. It's entirely possible. It's such a fascinating name, actually, Mono. Mm. Or Mono or w- whatever it was. It's, it's just such a strange name. It reminds me of my, one of my wife's friends. One of their kids de- uh, developed an invisible friend, but it was a Japanese woman's name. And this kid was young enough that that was, would be an odd thing. Like they don't know anyone named say like Yuriko or something yeah. like that. Like it was a very unusual choice for people who don't have any kind of associations with people from Japan or with people with Japanese names. So yeah, yeah. It, it does lend a little bit of credence to the notion that they are being told this name and they're not coming up with it. And the other thing that I thought was really, really interesting, and I, I'm, I actually didn't have a chance to dig into it, but the shadow people surrounding her in the orange, almost red lights. Mm. I've never heard that before, but it's, it's fascinating to me that her partner saw one shadow person and thought that's Mm. what she was reacting to, but she was seeing many, many more. Yeah. And I wonder what, what the significance of that is. If that is in fact, like a, you were actually seeing like a wider, the wide, wide world of shadow people, Mm. or if that was a dream sort of interpreting the outside phenomenon. But for them, but I mean, that's the thing. It's very odd because as she, as she says, they're both, they were both sensitive, but yeah. clearly they were looking at different things at the same time, which I find very odd. Yeah. I'd be curious yeah. to know if anyone out there has had experiences with shadow people that have involved colored lights, let us know. I'm really, really curious. So Juliet, let us know how that develops, you know, and again, if anyone else out there has any thoughts, ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. Our last story tonight comes from Bailey. I have had a few paranormal encounters in the past, but none have been anything like the one I'm currently living now. In May, I moved into the apartment for my senior year of college in central Illinois. I know many people who've lived in this popular apartment complex, and I even lived in a different apartment in the complex the previous year, but neither I nor anyone I know has ever experienced anything like this. I'll start this off by saying that starting in May, I had lived in the apartment by myself with my little dog for about two months, because I work in town, and my three other roommates were living at home. I didn't notice anything strange in my time here alone, but my friend Violet, who spent many nights here with me, definitely thought that something was up with the space. Violet was raised very Catholic, with a grandmother who believed that Violet had a gift to sense the supernatural, and in my time knowing her over the past three years, I would go so far as to say she's psychic-like. She came with me when I picked up my keys to the apartment, and the minute she stepped in the door, she said, I don't like it here. I said, of course not. There are no decorations or anything yet. She kept her mouth shut after that, but as the weeks went by, she would tell me about these little feelings she would get when we were in the apartment. She would say things like, 
I feel like someone is looking at me. Or, it is so weird, but I, I feel like there is someone in the room. And my least favorite, in the middle of the night, I swear I just saw something move in the window's reflection. I pretty much pushed it off as her being paranoid, which, after listening to your show, I realized was the wrong move. One night in late June, while I was sleeping upstairs in my room, and Violet was sleeping on the couch in the living room, she heard a loud bang coming from the back of the apartment. She came running into my room and woke me up, insisting that she was going home and can't sleep here anymore. I tried calming her down, telling her it was probably some of our guy friends who live in the complex messing with us, or something had fallen in the laundry room and hit one of the machines. I went downstairs and looked with her, but couldn't find anything, so I let her leave and went back to sleep. The next morning, I decided I would figure out what made the noise so she wouldn't refuse to stay the night, because as the only girl living in an apartment, that alone can be pretty unsettling. I went into the downstairs bedroom that only had the basic furniture that came with the apartment and noticed that the mattress had slid off the bed and hit the wooden desk next to it. I know I thought that was weird, because nobody ever goes into that room, but I didn't think too much about it. In July, my roommate Cassie moved in, and she took the room that was next to the bathroom. She was also a Mexican Catholic whose grandmother filled her head with stories about the paranormal and had given her a few crosses and holy water to put into her room. Things were silent around here until she moved in. She would tell me that her cross kept falling off the shelf she had put into the wall. I, of course, said she obviously didn't install the shelf right. There were nights that my dog would bark at the door of my room that leads out to the small square area before it turns into a hallway. Or she would stand on my bed and bark at the air like crazy. I didn't think much of anything until a day in September. At this point, my other two roommates, Hannah and Veronica, had moved in and classes had started. I didn't think much about anything weird that happened in the apartment after that, as you could never trust where stuff like the remote had been, or why music was playing from the TV downstairs, or why the sink would be left running until someone noticed it, because I'm living with three other girls. This day in September, at around 8.30pm, my roommates and I were getting ready to go to the bars downtown. I had just gotten out of the shower and ran downstairs to ask Veronica what she was wearing. After coming back up the stairs, I turned to the hallway, and before I noticed what I had seen, my body froze itself, and I stuck both hands out as if I was about to run into one of the other girls. The hallway light was off, but I could see from the bit of light coming through the crack in my door. When I focused my eyes a bit, I noticed neither roommates were there, but I definitely noticed the shadowy outline of a person standing in the center between all three bedrooms. I closed my eyes, but when I opened them, the figure was still there, reaching at least a foot and a half taller than my five-foot self, and about as big as a linebacker. I stepped to the side to go around it and tried to pretend I didn't even see it. I was smart enough to guess after listening to your show that it could be a shadow person, and I might as well not even give it the time of day. The minute I moved, it moved too, closer to me, which caused me to scream. Cassie flung her door open, and the light from her room illuminated the area, and I couldn't see the figure anymore. I told Cassie exactly what happened, and she asked, Do you think you maybe pre-gamed a little too hard? After assuring her I only had one and a half beers, and I was still very much sober, she believed me. I called my mom, who does not believe in the supernatural, absolutely terrified, which caused her to actually believe me for once in my life. Or at least she believed I believed what I saw. After that, it was noticeable that something was happening. Many times the front door would be open in the morning, 
where we could hear small knocks on our bedroom doors when nobody was on the other side, and practically anything hung up on the walls would fall. I thought I was losing my mind until everyone started getting headaches and was getting sick. We had an inspector check for mold. No mold. We had the locks checked on the front door. They were fine. And every roommate assured each other they weren't messing with us. At one point, Cassie even came back from home with a jug of holy water and splashed it all over the place in every room. But it didn't seem to help. Out of everyone who had spent time here, the only ones who noticed this happening were the ones who lived there. Until one night I had a guy over. I'll call him Tyler. Tyler was laying in bed next to me when he freaked out and woke me up to tell me he had seen someone standing in my closet. I have a walk-in closet with doors that are usually closed, right by the entrance to my room. I was half asleep and told him not to mess with me, even though I hadn't told him what had been happening because I was afraid he would think I was making it up or that I was nuts. But he kept telling me that he swore he saw someone standing in my closet. I was fed up. I wanted to go back to bed, so I told him to go turn the light on and look in there. He did, but of course there was nobody in my closet. After that, it turned into him waking up saying he was seeing the reflection of someone in my mirror. Not the actual person. Only the reflection. I figured he was just trying to scare me, so I let him go on and on about what he said he saw. Until I was taking a shower and saw the faint outline of someone standing on the other side of my shower door. Confused, I assumed it was Veronica. She's the tallest one that lives here. I said, Veronica, do you need something? No answer. This isn't funny. What do you want? No answer. As I was about to open the door to my shower, the bathroom light went out. I am now quite definitely the definition of naked and afraid. I opened the shower door to see nothing and noticed the whole time my bathroom door had been locked. After telling my roommates what happened and placing a call to Cassie's grandmother, a Catholic priest was at the apartment two days later to bless the place. He asked us questions about ourselves and what had been happening, blessed the place, and left. All of this is leading up to what Cassie and I experienced three days ago, and my reason for writing this email. While Cassie and myself were watching TV upstairs in her room, we suddenly heard loud, man-like footsteps practically running up the stairs. We assumed this was our friend Chris, who usually just lets himself in, but no knock to the door came. Then, just like the steps came upstairs, they ran right back down, then back up, and then back down, going faster and faster. Neither of us said a word. We just sat there staring at the door. This continued for a good 30 seconds before the steps suddenly ran all the way up the stairs and right outside Cassie's door which was when she screamed and started shouting the Lord's Prayer. I couldn't even think. I just assumed someone had come in drunk and wanted to fuck with some girls who lived here, until I realized the steps were way too fast to be a person. As soon as Cassie started saying the prayer, they stopped. It was definitely one of the scariest moments of my life. Since then, it has been silent. Absolutely nothing. And after this weekend, since finals are going to be over, I will be back to living here by myself. So if you have any advice, that would be greatly appreciated. Uh, earplugs. Earplugs, Bailey. Burning the place down, also a possibility. What are um, your thoughts there, Bestel? Uh, well, I was thinking of less dramatic things. With you English, always underplaying <laughs> things. I mean, obviously, Bailey has kept a fairly good record of the events and whatever. So I would suggest keeping a diary to see if that can kind of create some kind of routine 
or record of what's happening because this seems very odd and there does seem to be some kind of religious connotation to it because we've had issues with crosses and but then we've had priests come around and doesn't seem to have had any effect you know i I'm a big believer in the fact that it doesn't necessarily mean anything that a priest has come. I think it, it depends on the priest. Well, because, this is true as well. You know, like, I, I mean, I, I, I'm Catholic. You know, I was born Catholic. I was raised, I was raised, I was baptized Catholic. I was raised Catholic. I have known priests who were really great. You know, they were nice guys. Father Lori, Father DeLong, lovely people. Uh, there was a priest, Father James, I think, who I played cards against once, uh, on the road a long time ago, nice guy, but there's a lot of son of a bitch priests. And obviously there's some who are real sons of bitches for reasons you all know. And, uh, for reasons to which the Catholic church has not yet properly been called to account, but there are also guys who are just dicks and who are just doing it because they were too cowardly for the army and, uh, you know, too lazy to get a manual labor job. Hmm. And you know, we've talked so much on the show about how important belief is, you know, if you're going to do something, you have to do it with belief. You, you can't just say the words. And I know there are priests out there who are just saying the words. And so I, you know, not to say your priest was garbage, but you know, I just think that's a possibility, right? It, it doesn't matter. You yeah. Know, it, the, the caller is not a guarantee. Like there was a story, I'm sure I've talked about it, but there's a house in my neighborhood, which is super hinky. And the neighbors actually brought a priest in to bless it because they thought that would work. And so the priest turned up one day and he just said, Hey, yeah, I blessed the house. You're welcome. That'll be, I don't know. 150 Christ bucks or whatever it is they charge. <laughs> they said, well, how did you know which house it was? And he said, oh yeah, well, it's a creepy one across the street, right? And they said, no, no, that house is fine. It just looks creepy. The house we were talking about is, it's a completely different house. And he, sh they, they showed him the house and he went, oh, well that, that doesn't look scary. Well, of course it doesn't look scary. You dumb motherfucker. It's, it's not Disney's <laughs> haunted mansion. Woo. Flashing lights. I know, Woo. right? Ghosts here. It is out there pulling up his pant leg, showing off some ankle. You dick. And so when he finally blessed the house we're talking about, but it, of course it didn't make a difference, right? Mm. Any more than me wiggling my fingers at it and going inka dinka do is going to solve anything. So yeah. I would say, yeah, that belief is, is a huge thing. So I, I would be curious to know if you got someone else in there, a different practitioner, if that made a difference, maybe different faith or just a different priest, if you must be within the Catholic faith. Yeah, I was going to suggest, because one of the interesting aspects of the Humpty Doo poltergeist case in Australia um, was the fact that they had a Church of England, a Catholic, and a Greek Orthodox priest turn up. None of them <laughs> even shifted it. It just, it disliked all of them. Interesting. That sounds like the start of a great, great joke, rather. <laughs> they all walked into a bar and there was a horse. So I've I've often thought that quite an interesting aspect, that if if you are dealing with some kind of denomination based on religious beliefs, why does it have to be a Catholic? Yeah. They, they all have variations of the exorcism or the cleansing ritual. They just have different processes and different things. And obviously everybody always goes on about having an exercise, but that's just the Catholic Church. There are lots of nuances and differences in each denomination. But like you say, I think clearly having someone who is both open-minded enough and well-versed enough in the potential for the paranormal would probably be a start because you've no guarantee that the man of the cloth 
believes a word he's saying or believes anybody what you're doing. So along with keeping the diary, I'd keep that in. Always have a spray bottle of holy water or, or salted water as well to cleanse the air. I wonder if you could talk to some of your neighbors and see what, uh, what kind of experiences they've had. You know, you don't have to be uh, obvious about it if you're uncomfortable with, you know, approaching the subject, you know, which I, I would understand because it's, it's a little weird saying, hey, have you ever seen a headless person drift across your living room? But um, yeah, at the same time, I, I'd be worth maybe having some conversations and just mm. see if, if there are other people experiencing things. It, it may be that they're experiencing uh, something more or less, but I'd be curious to know what they have to say. That was our last story of 2021. Thank you so much to everyone who submitted. Again, it's been a wonderful ride and we look forward to more of your stories in 2022. If you want to share with us, ghoststoryguys at gmail.com is a place to send it. And uh, there are other places you can send it as well. We'll talk about that in the next segment. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. Hey there, listeners. Before you reach for that skip 15 seconds ahead button, I promise you this isn't an ad. We wanted to take a minute to talk to you about mental health. On this show, I've always tried to be as honest and open as possible about my struggles with depression and anxiety, because even though we've come a long way towards acknowledging the very real damage these things can do, there is still way too much lingering stigma about reaching out for help. And when you start to feel like there's no help, it's easy to start feeling like there's no hope. But Paul has joined me today to remind you there is always hope and there's always help. We're not going to try and talk you out of self-harming right now because we know that's not how it works. Instead, what we wanted to do was tell you something now and hope that should things get bad, you'll remember it and make a phone call or send a text message before you make any permanent decisions. As someone who knows all too well just how important mental health can be. It's never too late to reach out. In Canada, the number to call is 133-456-4566. In the USA, the number to call is 1-800-273-8255. In the UK, the number to call is 116-123 or text SHOUT. That's S-H-O-U-T to 85258. In Australia, the number to call is 131114. However bad shit seems, it will pass. And no matter what your brain might be telling you at any given moment, and believe me when I say I know this intimately, there are people who love you and people who care deeply about how you treat yourself. Should a time come when you find yourself despairing, Please know that we've both been where you are, and there is a way back to the world. Take care. Welcome back. Thanks, as always, to Luke, Anthony, Sarah, everyone else who's part of the Ghost Story Guys family. You guys are the best. And, of course, if you want to check out Luke's podcast, Luke Lore, it is available on podcast platforms everywhere. And I know, I think we might have one more episode coming up before the end of the year, and then we're going to take a little hiatus with that, but it'll be back in late, late June, or probably late July, Jesus Christ, late January. Oof, Paul. My sense of time is broken. It certainly is. It's all liminal. <laughs> there we go. 
All right. And, uh, and, and of course, thank you to my friend and co-host, the great Paul Bestel, the paranormal Johnny Carson, host of Mysteries and Monsters. Unlike me, you are soldiering on and you are continuing to release, ep- release episodes all throughout Christmas and the new year. Mm-hmm. What's coming up on Eminem, Paul? Yeah. So uh, as this hits the stands, I will be speaking with David Weatherly, diving into the wonderful myriad of cryptids that seem to have taken residence in Montana, which is a state I adore. I just think it's one of the most beautiful places in America. It is surprisingly resplendent in the world of Bigfoot. Some of my favorite Bigfoot encounters come from Montana. Fascinating. And, uh, so we dive into that. Also, it's got its own legendary lake monster, Flessy. So we're diving into that. And then uh, my first show of the new year will be in the company of the marvellous Morgan Daimler, taking me on a trip for some Irish mythology and a couple of vampire legends I was not very well versed in, but I'd heard of them. But Morgan gives us a deep dive into both of those, as well as the entomology of leprechauns. Very cool. Where can everyone find you online? You can find us wherever good podcasts are found by searching for Mysteries and Monsters. And we're also across all social media platforms, usually as Mysteries and Monsters or Mysteries Monsters. Lovely. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as Largely the Truth. I also host a podcast, Largely the Truth, Brennan Store, and that's a non paranormal chat show. And I am on hiatus until mid January. But my final episode was a really fucking great episode. I talked to Andrea Janes owner of Burrows of the Dead, New York City's best-reviewed ghost tour company. Andrea is not only a a talented storyteller, she's a very, very committed historian. Uh, She calls herself an amateur historian, but she's still, regardless, very good at it. We talk about the, the sort of some of the hidden histories of New York City. We talk about responsible storytelling, Canadian Gothic, all kinds of cool shit. And if you are a patron of this show, there is a special extended edition of that conversation where Andrea goes into her own personal paranormal experiences. Because Largely the Truth isn't a paranormal show, it's not there. It's only available as an episode of The Sunken Library for our patrons. And you can find that at patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys. But again, Largely the Truth is available everywhere you find your podcasts, and I'll be coming back strong, probably going back to a bi-weekly schedule, I think, in the new year. I think I overcommitted with a weekly schedule. But uh, yes, I'm looking forward to being back. And that's, of course... Everywhere fine podcasts live. You can also find me on the Repod app. And I will be on there chatting about all things largely the truth if you want to come find me there. Like I said, of course, patreon.com slash guys. if you want to support us here. We certainly appreciate it. You keep the lights on. You, we've actually increased our team a little bit. We have Laro and Jess from Pristine Podcasts who are now working with us on our pre-edit cleanup, which is fucking wonderful. And <laughs> that wouldn't be possible without you guys. It saves me a ton of time on my edit. And also Mandy. Mandy has come on board to help us with Facebook. And again, that's all possible because of you guys. So patreon.com slash ghost story guys, you get access to all kinds of bonus shit. There's the weekly book of the dead shows, which are just three ghost stories, no chat. This week's actually was extra long. It's a fantastic story that I found online. It is, uh, the adventures of a mail carrier in the desert. And it is some really spooky stuff. You also get weekly episodes of Host Adventures, which is me shooting the shit about whatever's going on in my life and uh, talking with you guys about what's going on in yours, which I, I truly love. There's a sunken library, me and Paul 
uh, all kinds of cool shows. So there's hours and hours of content if you uh, if you become a patron. There's also physical rewards. You get stickers, postcards, uh, ringtones, all all kinds of cool shit. And at the highest tier, you get a monthly 30-minute Zoom call with me if for some reason you want to talk to me. Patreon.com slash ghost story guys, and you can just go from there. I just want to say this because I know some people stress about it. Every Christmas, uh, obviously Christmas is, finances are tough right now anyways with the economy the way it is. And obviously every Christmas, money gets tight. And I know we've had some people leave because money is tight. And I know, again, some people stress about that. I just want to say, don't, don't worry. You know, don't feel like you have to email us and apologize, which happens sometimes. It, we appreciate that you do that, but I really just, it's okay. Not a big deal. You take care of you. That's what we care about more than anything else. We care about you taking care of you. Everything else is secondary. We'll still be here when things turn around for you and you'll have lots of cool stuff to catch up on and we will see you when you get back. So that's, uh, that's, that's that. If you want to get in touch, we're on Twitter as Ghost Story Guys. We're on Facebook as Ghost Story Guys. We are on Reddit at r slash Ghost Story Guys podcast. And we are on Instagram as the Ghost Story Guys. You can send us your comments or your stories to ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. We read everything we get, and I try to respond to as many people as I can. I'm just really shitty with email, but I do read everything, and I love hearing from you guys. And when you say really nice things, I send it to Paul. If you say really <laughs> shitty things, I delete it. <laughs> it doesn't happen very often, but I like to say that anyways. And finally, if you want to get in touch, but you don't want to type, you can always call the ghost line. There's something strange. Thanks to our listener, Amber Pease, for her ghostline jingle. Again, that number is one 588 6920 You can leave your story or comment as one or a series of voicemails, whatever you like. I'd like to start playing them on the show. It's just finding a place to do that. But uh, either way, Paul and I will both hear them, and we, we always love hearing from you guys. And if you don't feel like talking, you can always text 925-553-4789. If you want to pick up some Ghost Story Guys merch, head on over to our website, ghoststoryguys.com. You'll find links there to our Tee Public, Redbubble, and Big Cartel stores. And from there, we have all kinds of cool stuff. T-shirts, mugs, stickers, including designs from Bob Vasquez, who is not well at the moment. Bob is in hospital undergoing some treatment, and so we wanted to give Bob our best and say, get well soon, buddy. Because uh, you know, we, we've all had a rough couple of years, but I know Bob's had a particularly rough couple of years, and this is a... Uh, sort of the latest kick in the balls. So hmm. get well soon, my friend. Get well, Bob. Our theme song, Radio, Into the Darkness We Go, is composed and performed by Peter Bizanta Music. You can find more from him at nightharvestrecordings.com or by searching for Bizanta Music wherever you get your tunes. Our story theme is The Future Belongs to Them Now by Hexagram. Find more from them by searching for Hexagram wherever you get your music. And finally, our bumpers were also Hexagram, and that was Shedrick from their album Crystal Lake, and you can find that, again, everywhere you get your tunes at or at hexagram.bandcamp.com. Again, that's hexagram with two X's, not three. And I guess that's going to do it. Well, all I'll say is Happy New Year, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks. But until then, into the darkness we go.
there was a couple times on past recordings where there's these weird silences and I realized I'm reacting to something you're doing visually. And I thought, oh, this makes for good audio theater. Yeah, that doesn't sound worrying, does it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Good point. Good point. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> oh, someone who cares about what they're doing. Oh, yeah, right. This is the thing. <laughs> as long as my mafia uncle doesn't mind. <laughs> Anthony I can't is, talk. No. I've been kidnapped by Sasquatch. No, he's kidnapped Sasquatch. <laughs> well, one of my early Christmas traditions comes on every year that uh, I, I somehow find myself watching Conan the Barbarian and Amazing. thinking, why didn't I like this when I was 10? Well, I think you have to have the appreciation for like boobs and bloodshed. And I mean, even, even for, for you, I hope I'd like to think that 10 is a little early. Yeah, 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 yeah. I must admit, when I first time I watched it, I thought I was bored to tears as a kid. But I do enjoy it now. I think it's quite good fun. Even though uh, it's quite funny that you can tell after about 40 minutes that Schwarzenegger's agent's gone. Give him some lines. <laughs> Can't keep saying, crumb, all the time. <laughs> yeah, and then he starts talking and his agent goes, back it off, back it off. <laughs> Slow down. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's a, I remember watching that movie for the first time. I finally understood what it meant when something felt epic. When he was on the tree of woe, I just remember thinking that I was a teenager when I saw it. And I'm like, wow, this is awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm rewatching it because I haven't seen it for a few years. I completely forgot about the bit where he kills the vulture. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I was thinking, well, I can't be else. that hungry. Well, it takes a lot of protein to keep that moving, man. <laughs> He's a big dude. Well, no, I'm not going to say that, but... Um... I didn't know anything was going to happen. And I was thinking, oh, I hope, this, I hope they turn up. I hope they turn up. And then it happened. And I was like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> like the kids, the kids trying to catch Muncher or whatever the shit his name was. The metal eating ghost. I'm like, you little bastards have endangered so many people's fucking lives and, and like, and livelihoods driving around this town, just fucking blasting with a laser gun. Like at least Ghostbusters, when they did that shit, it was within a hotel ballroom. And okay. Sure. You know, they fucked the place up, but that's nothing that can't be fixed. They yeah. didn't blow up the whole hotel. <laughs> Jesus. And they're just like, woo. And for what? You're catching one ghost. The ghost, if you had let him go, he would have done less damage. Than you did trying to catch him. I have to say as well, there was that bit where he was talking about his podcast at the end, and he went, "It's called Mysteries." And I thought, "What?" <laughs> my, my cat's making noise outside the door. Or is it? Great. Well, if I don't come back, it's <laughs> that was really weird when you did that because you said, "Right, I'm just going to check it out," and then the picture froze, and you were there, and then it jumped, and you'd gone. Oh, <laughs> great. They've taken him. <laughs> yeah, well, at some point. <laughs> While I was away, I learned that they are, in fact, shutting down bars, clubs, and gyms here again. So I guess I don't have to worry about working out for a while. Oh, fun, fun, fun. No kidding. All right. So back to shadow people. That's less scary at this point. That was a very peculiar head turn. Yeah, sorry, I just heard a very, really strange noise. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? I just heard a clicking, and I just, I just thought I'd do something. You know when you see something out your corner of your eye, and you think there's something yep. there, and then, and then when I went, thought I'd be really sneaky. 
and it's just one of our Christmas wreaths. But because I caught it in the corner of my eye, I thought it was somebody looking through the window. Recently, a friend has dragged me into playing this game called Phasmophobia. I keep fighting myself to, to download it. So I've been having an ongoing argument with myself for the best part of the year. Oh, so you should absolutely do that, and then we should all play it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because there used to be a brilliant one about 15 years ago on the PC where you went around capturing different ghosts and there was certain different ones. There'd be ones coming and you could, and you could hear them coming like that. <laughs> and it was brilliant. And there was ghosts that caused, you had to basically scare people out of houses. I forgot what it was called. Oh, so you were the ghost in this one? Yeah. Yeah. And you could build up your team like to piss oh, people that's off. that's fantastic. Them. So for listeners who don't know, this one, you are ghost hunters and you're trying to determine what kind of spirit is in a location. You use like, uh, EMF and all that stuff. Um, but when you finally, if the ghost gets you, if the ghost gets, goes on a hunt and you can't hide from it and it kills you, which it has killed and which has done to me in every single one of the games I've played, it's become a running joke now among my friends, but, uh, and it's scary every time, but you then become a ghost. And the only way you can communicate with your teammates is by hurling objects from the house, not, not from your, your van where you start, but from the house. And then they can at least see like, oh, there's a cup floating in midair. Or there's a cup flying at me. Bren's here. And it is so fucking infuriating when you want to say something to them, but they cannot hear you because you are dead. And if that is anything like the actual experience of being dead, I understand why these ghosts are so pissed off. All right, let's wrap this up and I'll send all this over to Laro and then I can sleep. Well, not sleep, but I can relax for a bit. Don't worry, I'll do that for you. Perfect.